Well, here we are once again, that time of the week. And of course, Dr. Andrew Corbett popping into the studio. It's our weekly Wednesday Life Matters discussion. Very good morning to you, Andrew. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Good morning and great to be with you again. Yeah, Andrew, I know you wanted to make mention of a bill coming up before the Tasmanian Parliament. Yeah, I did. It's Madeleine Ogilvie's bill, the uh, Dying with Care or End of Life with Care bill. It's in response, I guess, to some of the pushes that we've had from the the Parliament over the last 10, 12 years or so to introduce various bills, dying with dignity or dying with compassion, which is essentially just um, marketing terms for euthanasia bills or doctor-assisted suicide. And Madeleine Ogilvie, being a lawyer and also someone who has had family very close to her go through a, a, a premature death, uh, this is both personal and something which I would expect Madeleine Ogilvie has a very keen legal understanding of the ramifications involved in in any such legislation where we're actually codifying laws that allow the intentional deliberate taking of another person's life this this is you know whenever there's been any parliamentary inquiries just about anywhere in the world it's it's come down that th- this is just really, really dangerous territory. Wherever it's been introduced, and there's not many places where it's been intribu- introduced, some of the most liberal countries that, that have introduced it, it it has led to all kinds of unforeseen, at the time, unforeseen things happening. It's also happened uh, in certain states of America like Oregon and so on, where initially the claim was made that uh, it would only be for those who were in either intolerable pain and had incurable uh, conditions, which all you were doing was allowing them to die uh, with dignity and showing them compassion. That's how it's been marketed. The reality is that when it was trialled in Australia, such bills were trialled in Australia, uh, namely the Northern Territory, it, 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 it it had to be withdrawn because there were people who just wanted to end their life and they weren't suffering any uh, particular life-threatening disease they weren't you know suffering from anything incurable and the result was that two or three I think it was uh, teenagers or people in their early 20s who just wanted to end their life had doctors uh, under this uh, temporary or trial northern territory uh, uh, legislation for euthanasia simply take their life and and when 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 that starts to happen, it really sends a, a very very wrong message to the particularly the younger generation about the value of life. And I, I highly commend Madeline Ogilvie. She has a very well adjusted moral compass. I I commend her. I, I would encourage people just have a look at her website. She has a, a tremendous vision for our state, which I think we could all heartily endorse. And essentially, it's for the prosperity of Tasmania so that our young people don't have to leave to get work and we have equal opportunities available to Tasmanians as anywhere else on the mainland. I think that's a tremendous vision and and I hope that she plays a part in contributing to that. And this end-of-life care bill is exactly that. It, it, it is an end-of-life care bill so that what it does is it codifies the the things that have always been assumed were part of the the common law uh, where 
it, if if I said to you, um, if you know, Dave, if you if you were suffering from an incurable disease, your life was going to end, but we could prolong it temporarily, which would mean, um, you know, we we would perhaps comatose you or whatever it would be reasonable for you to say hey listen just just let me go I'd, I'd rather not receive that treatment and while you're in a fairly lucid state you could you could sign off on that and you could have um, you know a living will which is what that is a part of that you did not want to receive that kind of uh, medical care which often hospitals and doctors and nurses are obliged to give unless there there is instructions not to uh, administer that. Now, all Madeleine Ogilvy is doing is is really putting in writing, more or less, what is already in the common law. So I, I highly commend the bill, and I, I understand that her party and the Tasmanian Liberal government have given it tacit approval as well. Well, there you go. Thanks for that. Uh, just a reminder, if you're about to go into work, you can listen to the discussion live on air by going to wayfm.org.au forward slash listen live. Now, Andrew, today you're wanting to talk about the five tips for handling pressure. Yeah, and I guess around this time of year too, we we all face pressure. Uh, Christmas can be quite a stressful time and and uh, pressure often feels like stress. There are different types of Pressure that we that we'll go through, and if you you know if you think about the different types of pressure that you experience in in your life, there will be there will be probably one of the most common ones, and that's time pressure. You have to be somewhere, or you have a deadline. You have to do something by a particular time. Time pressure is one that we will all feel. We will all feel the pressure to rush, to hurry, to get on with it. And that's a that's a healthy, normal human experience. In fact, uh, you it's it, it's just not good for you <laughs> if you never experience that kind of pressure. It can lead to slothfulness, laziness, and a lack of accountability. So that's one type of pressure. Let, let's ramp up the types of pressure that you'll you'll uh, experience in life, and that might be social pressure. That there are certain social expectations. You're expected to to dress, to groom, to uh, uh, present yourself in a certain way. So we will all experience social pressure. And again, that's not an unhealthy thing. In fact, um, it's it's a part of the world we live, and it can actually be quite a healthy thing. And we we have certain pressures that society puts on us. And I know that there are some people who who just can't handle that. But I actually think ultimately it's a, it's a healthy thing. You have to learn to live in a world that is uh, filled with, with social pressure and, and you'll experience that. Also, if we, again, if we, if we ramp it up, there, there might be what we call consequential pressure or co- the pressure of consequences. In other words, if you do this, this will be the consequence and you may have done it and now you're under the pressure of those consequences and I, I suppose in in very um, menial almost trivial uh, circumstantial pressure would be you know if, if you um, uh, eat out on you know chocolate you're going to face the consequential pressure of putting on weight and that's you know that's a that, that's a pretty trivial concept for other people, uh, it, it, it could be a little bit more serious. It could be that if you 
choose to cross certain moral lines, you may have the consequence of becoming pregnant. You know, there, there's there's consequential pressure in life. It's It shouldn't surprise anyone. It's a part of life. So that's a part of the pressure that we face, especially when we have crossed that line. Now we have to face consequential pressure, the pressure of consequences. There's also... Uh, financial pressure, the the pressure that comes from perhaps perhaps no fault of your own, or even worse, and this can be quite debilitating, is the pressure that we all face when we make financial mistakes. So when we make a financial mistake, we we then bear the the consequence of that. I was talking with someone just the other day, and and I noted that they they used to have a motorbike, and they they weren't riding the motorbike and I said oh you know no motorbike today and he said no I had to sell it because I put myself under financial pressure and so he learned that financial pressure um, you know it'll it'll call you to account there's other types of pressure it includes uh, responsibility pressure and this might be the pressure that that certain people have in very demanding jobs. So for example, you could be a doctor and the responsibilities that you carry are probably far greater than you know most of us mere mortals will ever face. You're having to deal with the pressure of whether someone lives or dies. And that, that can be very real. I mean, we, we've got paramedics who, go, who will go out to do their job today and they will face that pressure that if they that they make a mistake, someone could die. So same with a doctor, same with a nurse, and people in the, the the medical industry. This is a very very real pressure. So these are some of the types of pressure that people face. I want to come back after the music break, Dave, and and actually give some tips on how we can deal with pressure and, and learn to handle it better. So true. We all face pressure in one way or another, and I guess some people have learned to handle it better than others. I'm looking forward to learning what some of these master tips are. In the meantime, let's get back to the music. Jesse J, Masterpiece, Way of Air. So Good morning. much pressure. Why it's so loud? If you don't like my sound, you can turn it down. WFM for your Wednesday. Yes, we're talking with Dr. Andrew Corbett, as we do each week. And we've got nine sleeps to go to Christmas. We're counting down. If you'd like to listen to this again, maybe share it with someone you know. It will be available on the WFM download section a little bit later today. Now, Andrew, the discussion topic today is five tips for handling pressure. Yeah, and th- as you, you mentioned just before into music, there are some people who have learned to handle pressure really well. They don't seem to get flustered as easily as perhaps many of us get flustered and there's there's some things that if you if you actually have a closer look at what they're doing they they all seem to do the same sorts of things whenever they come under um, intense pressure 
And one of the, the, the things that leadership consultants look for when they're, they're taking the measure of a leader is what, what kind of problems do they deal with regularly? Because the, the maxim is that the, the greater the leader, the greater the capacity of the leader, the bigger the problems they will, they will deal with. And if you think about it, in our country, we expect a certain leadership capacity for our prime minister, our premiers, and so on. But we also expect that with that capacity comes an ability to handle problems. And presumably, the, the biggest problems are dealt with people who actually you know, fill offices like prime minister and state premiers and so on. And I guess in the corporate world, it's, it's the same sort of deal. The people, you know, it's often easy to criticise CEOs who earn, you know, perhaps extraordinary incomes, but very few of us will be faced with the pressures that someone perhaps is the head of Telstra or the head of BHP or Rio Tinto or any of those really big companies are actually facing on a day-to-day basis. So these these people have a capacity to handle really big, really complex problems. And oftentimes they encompass some of the, the sources of pressure that we mentioned just before we went to music. That they, they have lots of time pressure. They have lots of consequence pressure, lots of financial pressure, lots of social pressure, and lots of responsibility pressure. And, and I guess we could add into that, we could dial some of those downs and, and down and say, you know, for some of these people who are on call 24-7, and if you're a, a CEO of a major company, then you don't work nine to five. You are on. You are just on all the time. In fact, I heard recently an interview with the general manager, the CEO of General Electric, and it's the world's largest corporation. It's just huge. And at the time of his interview, he was navigating a multi-billion dollar takeover of a French company. I assume it was an electronics company. And General Electric, which of course, you know, sounds like, you know, they're only into electronics, is actually one of the world's largest financial corporations. I think they own MasterCard and Visa and, and, and things like that. So it's a huge company. And one of the things that the CEO said was, was that th- there's never, for him, an off. He's always on. Even when he's on holidays, he's still on. And you could look at that, and, and as, he, as he shared in the interview, he said, you know, one mistake from me could cost 10,000 people their jobs. And you think, golly, that is a lot of pressure that man is under every day. And he said that the way that he has learned to handle it is, is always to embrace it. And, and that's an interesting thing with, with pressure. It's kind of, life will, will have its pressures. And one of the things about life that is a tremendous analogy in the field of sport is that when you, when you go to play a sport, not with the goal of winning, but simply with the goal of either not losing or even worse still, not getting hurt, invariably you're going to lose and you're going to get hurt. Imagine a football player who goes onto the field with an injury. And there they go, you know, for the ball, they've, they've got to get the ball. But their primary concern is not to get the ball. Their primary concern is not to get hurt. 
that person is going to go for the ball and almost certainly get hurt. It's one of the reasons why I, I tremendously admire Nick Rewald. I, you know, I'm not a St Kilda fan, but golly, you, you don't have to be a St Kilda fan to think that. That young man has incredible bravery. He's a phenomenal leader on the field. And I know that when my team, Geelong, plays him, I just think he's a, he's a pesky bloke. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's just amazing because he, he's, you know, of everything I've just said about going in and, and not wanting to get hurt, that's not his story. He goes in and he throws himself out. I think he's broken just about every bone in his body in the name of football. So it's pretty incredible. But here's the first thing I've noticed of the five tips I could offer by 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 personal experience and observation of these people who have uh, learned to handle pressure well. This this is the first thing. So we start at number 5. It, it's it's minimize minimize your pressure by and here it is this is how you do it. By living a life of integrity. Now, now, what what that means is, if you think about the consequences that bring pressure. So we mentioned before, there's social pressure, there's consequential pressure. Sometimes people increase the pressure. They actually cre- they are the ones creating pressure on themselves, and they're creating pressure on themselves because they're not living a life of integrity. So, for example, someone who has stolen something and is now on the run from the police, boy, they, they are under pressure. But you know what? They brought them on. They brought that on themselves. And and that let, let's dial that down just to the small things. You know, the child who tells a lie and will often colour that lie and say, "Well, you know, I haven't told a, a really bad lie. I've just told a white lie," as if lies come in shades of colour. That child is going to find that they've put themselves under pressure. The the person who tells his wife a lie um, because he didn't want to admit, you know, where he was on his way home from work, why he was late, they're going to put themselves under pressure. In fact, so you're going to minimise your pressure by living a life of integrity, even if it if it costs you. So, for example, you may borrow something from someone, and I've done this. I, I borrowed. I think I mentioned previously. I borrowed a trailer off a friend. I actually uh, overloaded it. Uh, I was carting some rocks back to make a rock wall, and the axle broke. Now, I, I could have, I, well, it wasn't really an option for me, but I guess I could have said, you know, your stupid trailer was a piece of junk. You know, here it is back in bits and pieces. But that would that would then be creating all kinds of pressure. And if we look at the sources of pressure, it would create social pressure with my, you know, my good friend. It would, it would put a strain on our relationship. That would have social strain. That would have ultimately there would be financial strain as well. There would be uh, all, all other kinds of pressure that I've now created. So here's the first step about dealing with pressure: it's minimize it, minimize the, the pressure that you you actually face. You can do that by living a life of integrity, by being honest, by being diligent, by uh, recognizing that sometimes you are going to have to pay a, a high price, and that's financially or even time-wise, to do the right thing. But by doing the right thing, you are setting yourself up to decrease your pressure. So that's that's the first step, and this is 
you know, as I, as I mentioned, that the people who have learned to handle pressure really well are often people of incredible integrity. As I listened to the story of the CEO of the General Electric Company, the world's largest company, the interviewer asked him, what, what, what do you do on the weekend? And the answer was, I go to church with my wife. And, and you know, I was a little bit surprised at that, but he goes to church, I think, in uh, North Carolina somewhere. And he's he's there as often as he can be when it, whenever he's in town, and he does that as as he said to you know kind of get his moral compass tuned back you know dialed back to north, so that he can you know get get back into the work uh, force on a, on a Monday morning with his moral compass fully adjusted. His he centered his life back on you know that 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 standard of integrity that helps him to live a life of integrity. So that's the first thing. Minimize the pressure on your life by being a person of integrity, by being honest, by being diligent, by paying uh, whatever price you have to pay to do the right thing. That's the first step. Let's come back after the nine o'clock news, Dave, and we're going to count down the, the last four tips that I have for handling life's pressure. You know, that makes a bit of sense. We've uh, been off to a great start learning the tips for handling pressure. If you want to discover the next four, you have to join us after the 9 o'clock news update, which is on the way for you now. Well, the Bureau says mostly sunny today, looking nice. Top of 28, 29 and mostly sunny tomorrow. A mostly sunny day expected for Friday, top of 31, 30 and looking mostly sunny for Saturday and 30 again, but possibly a late shower Mm. on Sunday. Now, Andrew, we're counting down from five to one, your five tips for handling Mm -hmm. pressure. Do you think parents could use these tips to uh, help their children handle pressure? Mm. Yeah, I I do, actually. Uh, In fact, we, we, we could be observing... One of the most precious generations to have ever walked the planet, that is a generation where parents are doing, it seems, all they can to keep their children from ever experiencing pressure. I actually wonder, is this a really healthy thing? Look, I I understand how parents can go through stuff themselves as kids and then not wish that upon their own children. I I, I get that, but there, there just seems to be something not quite right generally and perhaps parents I, I think parents can indeed help their children to learn how to handle pressure because pressure is actually a part of life and pressure comes from embracing new things at times that children have to you know always be trying new things and parents who don't stand their ground when it comes to their children trying new things new food or things like that they uh, it could be that you do a bit of traveling and your normal cuisine is, is not available. So you, you are, you know, obliged to try something different. And parents who don't, you know, encourage their children to step out and have a go, uh, I, I think perhaps not not doing the best by their children. There's a tremendous YouTube clip. Uh, I wish I had the reference to it, but... It's a, a young girl who's about to go down a ski slope and the, the, she's got a GoPro camera strapped to her and, and you can hear her asking her dad, Daddy, this is very high. Is, is this going to be okay? And she's quite a young girl. I'm, I'm guessing if, if she was 10 or 11 years of age. And the, the ski ramp is, you know, man, I mean, I would be having second thoughts about going down this thing. 
And there she is at the top of the ski ramp, just asking all the questions. Am I going to be okay, Daddy? It looks like I'm going to be going very fast. Is, you know, and she's asking all these questions about what she's about to do. It's something new. And there's her dad being a really good dad. He's being very reassuring and encouraging her to, you know, don't be afraid. Have a go. It'll be fine. And you see, and you're actually hearing the 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 audio on it is is probably just as dramatic as her uh, <laughs> the, the actual video where she's where she's going down the ski ramp. But you see and hear this young girl go down the ski ramp, and she's screaming in fear. And then as she leaps off the end of the the ski ramp, you hear her her screams of excitement. And adulation. This was actually quite a thrill, and she's 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 yelling with excitement that she's actually done this thing. And I think it, it sort of finishes up where she says, "Can I do that again?" And and quite arguably, we've got a generation of kids that 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 never have the privilege of having their parents actually parent them through new experiences. So learning to handle pressure, is this something parents can teach their children? Yeah, I, I reckon. Not only do I reckon, I reckon we should, as parents, be doing this. We should be encouraging our children to try new things. We should be encouraging our children to learn to cope without us, you know, helicopter parenting. So, you know, you drop your kids off for tennis coaching, um, go and do the shopping. They'll be right. Leave them. Let, them. let them be. You know, if they fret, oh, I don't want you to go, mum, tell them, you'll be right. I'll be back soon and introduce them to a new experience. That is standing on your own two feet. You know, gosh, you're 11, you're 12, you're 13 years of age. You should be right. I mean, we have a generation now of young people who we're hearing reports of 23-year-old young adults going to job interviews with their parents, with their mum. Hello, this is (laughs) something... There's something not right here when we've got 21, 22, 23, 24, 25-year-old young adults who need mummy to go with them to a job interview. Um, Heard recently of a a 17-year-old girl who the teacher handed back her work and she didn't like her grades, so she pulled out her mobile phone and rang mummy. And the teacher said, put your phone away. She said, no, no, I'm on the phone to mum and she wants to talk to you about my grade. And you just think, this is just bizarre. Children need to learn the pressure of, you know, this is consequential pressure. You don't study for your exam. You get a, a result that reflects your lack of study. There's a consequence there, fella. You're going to have to learn that life, you know, you're not always going to be able to call mummy uh, during some of the, the tough pressures of life. So, yes, <laughs> I do think. Now, that exam illustration actually illustrates point number four. And this is how you can handle pressure and and the first one i mentioned minimize pressure by by choosing to live life with integrity it actually will have a profound effect on on the the pressure that you'll face in life and the next one is very similar to it and that is prepare well preparing well means getting organized it means work first play later by working first and playing later you are setting yourself up to handle pressure when it comes the the fire uh, firemen who have to do you know their drills their training and they have to keep fit they have to do all those things are doing that so that when it matters 
they have minimized the pressure. They know what to do. I heard Ivan Lendl talking about how he helped Andy Murray win his first Grand Slam. And the question he he was asked by journalists, when Andy walks out of that court to to you know to play for his first Grand Slam title, is he going to be nervous? And Ivan Lendl said, absolutely not. There is no way I would let my charge go onto that tennis court walking onto that tennis court so that he was nervous and the way we avert that is by over preparing we over prepare we over prepare mentally we over prepare physically we over prepare skill wise and match fitness wise so that by the time he walks out on that court he's ready to go and and I actually thought that is a great life principle isn't it over prepare do more than you have to do to prepare I'm a huge fan of the Bourne trilogy. I love the Bourne identity, the Bourne uh, supremacy, the Bourne ultimatum. That, that, oh, I just love those movies. They're, they're fantastic. One of the scenes that, you know, op- one of the opening scenes is when, and um, by the way, I'm a pacifist. I, I don't subscribe to war or violence at all, but I do like <laughs> I do like that series. But, but I like it partly because here's somebody who's been really, really well trained, really well prepared. In fact, he's so well trained, he's so well prepared, he goes into reflex mode without even realizing what he's doing. That's well prepared. There's another scene in the in the trilogy where you see him running and running and running up and down a beach, and he's not exactly sure why he has this compulsion to maintain an incredibly high level of fitness, but he knows he has to. And that's because that's a part of his training. He's prepared well. Going to give one more before we go to music break. So we've, we've looked at minimize it by living a life integrity. Prepare well. Work first. Play later. Um, here's, the, here's the next one. Prioritize. So number three, prioritize those things that cause pressure. Prioritize them. And embedded with that is don't procrastinate. So don't put off the things that you just you just can't face it. No, get into it. Stare them in the eye. Look at them and deal with it. Perhaps right now you know that there is something that is growing as a source of pressure in your life and you know it's growing. You can feel it's growing and it's growing because you're procrastinating. Now, I know what that feels like. When I'm under the pressures that we mentioned before, I know I make those pressures more intense and I actually increase the amount of pressure that I face by procrastinating. When when I when I'm under incredible pressure, I will find you know ten other things to do rather than the one thing I should do. And that's when I realise, no, come on, you've just got to knuckle down and and deal with this. You've you've got to get on with this. So that's this this sense of prioritise, prioritise what you're dealing with and don't procrastinate so think about it what 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 is the one big problem that if you addressed it now it would actually solve a whole lot of other little problems that's prioritizing deal with the big rocks in the bottom of the jar first before you deal with the grains of sand and what is that one problem that you you know you need to deal with it's something you've got to confront it's a person you've got to call a person you've got to see it's a thing you've got to do it's a thing you've got to fess up to but you're procrastinating it. What is it? Because whatever it is, that's what you need to deal with today. You need to get on on with it today and you'll be handling pressure better if you do. Life Matters right here on Way FM and Lincoln Brewster, best days.
YFM, it is your Wednesday morning. It is, of course, Life Matters right here on the radio. If you'd like to listen to it again, we'll be uploading it to the website a little bit later today for you to download and listen at your leisure. Now, Andrew, we're talking about the five tips for handling pressure. Mm-hmm. You've got a couple more things for us. Yeah. One of they. Yeah, we have. And just, just a couple more. And I think they the, these are where we start to take some proactive steps. So the first few are really about how you minimise and then... Perhaps the last one, which talked about prioritizing and don't procrastinate, just get on with it. There, there are certain things that you've just got to do. You know, the student who is struggling to prepare for an exam they've got to do will find 10 other things that are more interesting to do. I tell you, it's, that's how it works. But so you've just got to knuckle down. It takes a fair bit of concentration. People who are used to handling intense pressure are also people who have developed their concentration muscles. And that's that's a large part of what it takes to handle pressure. You've just got to got to tackle it. They they begin to switch focus from the problem to the solution, and they get on with it. Here's number two. So we're counting down from five, which talked about living a life integrity. Number four, prepare well. Number three, prioritize and don't procrastinate. Here's number two, plod. Just keep going. You know, I asked my nine-year-old daughter the other day when you're under pressure. What's one of the best pieces of advice you could give someone that you've learned from when you're under pressure? And she said, don't quit. Just keep going. Just hang in there. Now, I thought, that's not bad. You know, for a nine-year-old, the wisdom of life, that's pretty good. Just keep going. Applaud. You know, sometimes the race is won by the plodder, the one who just keeps going. The The famous story of the, the tortoise and the hare is won by the tortoise, because the tortoise just kept going, just kept going. One of the, you know, I used to think it was just one of my favourite movies, but obviously it's one of the fa- most favourite movies of everybody of all time, and it's The Shawshank Redemption. The Shawshank Redemption is an amazing illustration of what it is to plod, just to do a little bit every day and to keep working ultimately toward a goal. And sometimes when you're under pressure, that's what that's what you have to do. You just have to to plod you've just got to keep going you know it's hard yes it's hard you know what imagine the pressure of jumping you know into the water off uh the the the, uh, the shores of dover england and you're going to swim the english channel to france now I, i'm just going to think that's a fair bit of pressure that you've just now put yourself under so you're under pressure. How do you do it? You know, what do you do? You get halfway across and you go, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, you you know, you're halfway. You're committed. Just keep going. And sometimes that's a great analogy for life. You've just got 
to keep going. Keep doing the right thing. There'll be days when you wake up, you don't want to go to work. There will be days when you wake up, you don't want to be a mum. You don't want to have to do the dishes, do the washing, clean the house, and then go to work. You don't want to do it, but you're going to have to because you, you're just going to, if you don't, that pressure will become intense. And if you want to learn how to handle life's pressure, you've got to plod. You've just got to just hang in there and keep going. Do the right thing. By plodding, just putting one foot in front of another, you, you'll you be absolutely amazed at what you can ultimately achieve. I mean, if you think back, if you financially were someone who decided, made a commitment to financially plod, just to, just to put a little bit away. Imagine if you put away $10 a week uh, for the last five or 10 years. You realize how much you would have with interest? And, and you think five or ten dollars a week that's that's actually doable and in five or ten years you you could have a, a quite a, a, a small a, a fortune you know compared to what you you may have at your disposal now and that's the kind of thing that plotting will do it actually helps minimize pressure but it also is a great tactic for dealing with pressure when you are under pressure by plotting I actually think there's a there's a way to plot. A plot is is kind of you know when you're really tired if you've ever done bushwalking and you know it gets toward the end of the day you've already been walking for five hours, in the heat of the day you've got twenty kilos on your back, it's a bit uphill it's 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 against the wind, and it's just tough going. You just take those little steps, and those little plotting steps are a great analogy sometimes for how you deal with the pressures of life. You've got financial pressure. How are we going to make the mortgage? How are we going to pay the credit card off? How are we going to get this done? And by chipping away, that's the part of the Shawshank Redemption, isn't it? That's what he did. He just made a couple of scratches in the wall, took the dust, put it in his pocket and flicked it out in the courtyard. Each day, eventually, he was able to, you know, etch a hole in his cell wall. So sometimes... By plotting, you're taking a big problem and you're breaking it down into a small step. And that's the art of, I've noticed, of people who have an ability to handle a lot of pressure. They don't let the big picture overwhelm them. They look at the little picture. What is it? What is this big problem made up of? What are the little problems that make up this big problem? And sometimes by solving the right little problems, you're actually solving the big problem it tends to take care of itself so have a have a think about that plotting just just keep going hang in there and here's the last one sometimes life will have the kind of pressure that you'll be under that there is very little way you can handle on your own and that's where you need to partner up Partner up means you're able to draw on the help of someone else who has more skill in a, in a particular area where the, the pressure's coming from than perhaps you have. By partnering up, you're able to draw on their expertise. You know, I'm, I'm amazed at the expertise that some people have to solve problems that perhaps have completely confounded me. You know, I've looked at this, I'm thinking, how on earth do you, where do you begin to solve this someone comes along who's done it before and you ask for their help you ask for their advice they lend their their help their advice and they make it look really easy 
And by partnering up, you, you do two things. You, you recognize, you know, I, I could learn to do this from them, or the next time I have to deal with this, this is what I should do, rather than, rather than let this thing get so out of control it's it's just something I now need to partner up. I was talking with someone recently who, despite the fact that they had spent a lot of their life in the water, uh, particularly diving, they strangely hadn't done much swimming, and they they'd actually really really struggled to be a freestyle swimmer. Um, he was saying to me, you know, his breathing wasn't right, he, he his stroke wasn't right. It was just just really really difficult for him to enjoy swimming and he said he had someone watch what he was doing and said do you realize you're actually breathing wrong you're getting the way you're breathing by taking the breath turning your head and so on it's actually wrong and and he said no I didn't I thought I was doing it right and you know it's you know I know I'm not real good at it and so this person just showed him one little thing now this person had you know a bit more skill than him and showed him just a little technique just gave him a technique change he applied that technique change to his swimming and he said all of a sudden it made the world of difference to him. He began to enjoy swimming for the first time. He could actually do it. He found that he wasn't as bad as he thought he was all because he got the right piece of advice. He partnered up and he was able to deal with the pressure that he always felt he was under whenever he tried to swim. You know, just just as we finish up, I think life is actually, that's a great analogy for life. You know, sometimes we're doing the best we can. We think we're doing it right. But it could just be that, you know, we're, we're breathing wrong. We're turning our head wrong. We're not turning it at the, you know, stroking at the right way or something like that in life. And when you, ha- when you get help from someone, someone who comes along and says, you know, you're always in conflict with your husband or you're always in conflict with your wife. If you actually do this little thing, you could actually reduce that conflict, eliminate that conflict, and actually resolve this for great good. And you know what? There are some things in life that actually there's not one human being that's going to be able to help you with. And partnering up means you're going to have to turn to your maker, to God, your creator, in prayer. And you can do it right now. You may feel overwhelmed with the pressure that you're under now, and many people do around Christmas time. The good news is that you are just one prayer away from partnering up with the supreme being of the universe. One prayer that says, God, I need your help. You may be at a point where you don't even know if there is a God. And maybe that's your your prayer right now. God, if you're real, show yourself. Reveal yourself to me. Perhaps you feel the pressure of consequence. You've done something wrong. You are right now feeling the pressure that comes from the consequence of, of having done that wrong thing. And now you know that you need to be forgiven. You need your slate wiped clean. You are one prayer away from having that pressure dealt with. Just one prayer, a prayer that says, God, I come to you now and I ask you because of what you've done by sending your son Jesus to earth as the Christmas child who came and lived a life perfect and then died in my place. I'm now asking for that to be appropriated to me. I need you to forgive me and I need you to help me to do life. You pray a prayer like that. We'd love to hear from you actually at YFM. Just let us know and we'd love to get you started, connect you in with a church that will help you do life and deal with life's pressures as well. Uh, Dave, I'll be back next week for another Life 
matters. Thank you so much, Dr. Andrew Corbett. Of course, you can hear Andrew again tomorrow night at 8.30 with Finding Truth Matters. And don't forget, we'll have this program uploaded onto our website real soon, wayfm.org.au, and you'll be able to download it, listen to it again for free at your leisure. Hey, listen, a great song. We're going to wrap things up with this. Matthew West, We Are The Broken. Way FM, good morning.